This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Gemar Chasim everyone. It is truly an honor to have this opportunity to share with you some Divrei Chizuk, perhaps a meaningful message as we head into the holiest days of the year. And a great Rav once told me that when single girls gather together for the purpose of being mechazek their tefillah, it's a davar shebekdusha. There's a lot of holiness in the gathering. There's a tremendous kedusha in the gathering. But friends, let's not beat around the bush and let's not ignore the proverbial elephant in the room. That there's also a lot of pain in the gathering. Sometimes there's tremendous pain. And honestly, perhaps I don't have the right words to say. One of the most difficult questions that I've been asked is a young man, a young woman, comes into a Yomim Naram season, and it could be it's their first time, second time, third time, fifth time, tenth time, twentieth time. And they're coming and they're asking for the same thing. It's just one request. And sometimes the years pass. And they see sometimes their younger sister, younger brother getting married, other siblings getting married, and sometimes they're going to the bar mitzvahs and the bas mitzvahs of their nephews and nieces, and sometimes even the weddings of their nephews and nieces. And it comes a Yom Naram, again, another Yom Naram, and cut, we turn to Rebbe Hashem and we say, it's the same request. We just have one request, Rebbe Hashem. When is it going to be my turn? How do we approach a Yom Naram season with this gnawing question on our mind? And I'll be honest with you. When I think about this question, it's a heart-wrenching question. And I feel completely inadequate to offer a meaningful response. What should I say? Daven more, daven better, after so, so many heart-wrenching tefillahs, after outpouring of, of kavana belevu v'nefesh, I don't think that would be a meaningful response. But a certain idea resonates with me, and I think it's a powerful idea, I think it's an effective idea, and I think it's a very meaningful idea. The central theme of the Yom Naram, of a Rosh Hashanah, of a Yom HaKippurim, is Malchios, accepting Hashem's sovereignty. We say, the Ten Pachtecha, Hashem Eloikeinu Akom Asach place your fear, place your awe over the whole world. That is the fundamental theme of all the davening on the Yom Naram. V'simlech Hashem Eloikecha Levadcha, Malchios, one of the main kavanos of the shofar, is the shofar like a trumpet, coronates HaKadosh Baruch Hu as the king of the world. This is the main emphasis on the Yom, during the Yom Naram. You know, it's pretty amazing that in the main body of the Shemana Esrei, Kemat, there is not one personal request. We don't ask for life, we don't ask for livelihood, 
we don't ask for zivugim, we don't ask for children. The theme of the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur davening is for one thing only, Rebbein reveal your malchus in the world. So you say, what do you mean? We say, Zachreinu l'chayim, Mechsoiv l'chayim toivim. No, 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 no. That's not part of the original liturgy of the Shemana Esrei. These were later additions by the Ga'inim. But the original formula of the Shemana Esrei from the Anshei Knesset Hagdoila is centered around one theme with no space for personal requests. Why are there no personal requests on the holiest day of the year? The days where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sitting on His throne and judging us, why don't we ask for what we need? And I believe that there's a very straightforward answer found in the writings of the Ramchal. Ramesh Chaim Lutzato, in his Sefer Darach Hashem, the Vilna Goin said about the Ramchal, that he reached the highest level of understanding of, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that it is possible to reach in this world. The Ramchal writes in the Darach Hashem, if I could read to you a few of his lines. The Ramchal says, Shekasher Malchuso Yisbarach Shemoy Noidas. When God's Malchus and rulership is known and recognized. When all of mankind acknowledges it, there will be found among the world and creation every goodness, every form of peace and prosperity. Blessing will increase. Peace will reign. And vice versa to the extent that God's malchus is not recognized in this world, to that extent, there will be challenge, difficulty, and darkness. Says the Ramchal, If there should be a reason that God should choose to reveal His malchus in this world, it will result in great good and great prosperity. Let's explain. Hashem is the Melech Malchei Hamlachim. He's the king of all kings. He has every form of blessing and every resource at his disposal. He can fulfill any request without any difficulty in an instant. And therefore, we don't really have to ask for anything. Because God is capable of fulfilling every need and every desire. And He wants to. All we need to do is say, Hashem... Come, show yourself, show your malchus, show us you're the king, because when you come with your carriage and you reveal your presence, automatically all blessing will manifest. So actually on Rosh Hashanah, we don't focus on our personal requests because we actually are asking for it in the most direct possible way. We say, Just show us that you're the king because when your kingship is recognized, automatically all blessing, all prosperity, all of our needs will be taken care of implicitly. The more Hashem's machos is recognized, the more blessing we will all experience. Let me share with you the following personal thought. Who could really accept the Malchus of Hashem on Rosh Hashanah? Do you really think that someone 
life is playing out exactly the way they would have scripted it. Someone who, Baruch Hashem, has everything going for them. Maybe they went to the best seminary, and they came home before they even became 19 years old, and they went out with the first guy, and they got engaged, and life is going the way they wrote it up. You think they could come into a Rosh Hashanah and accept the sovereignty of the Almighty? In a certain sense, in life, if you have everything going for you, you start to feel in control of your own destiny. And there might be somewhat of a lack in one's ability to accept that it's not my world, it's the world of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But when life is not going the way you would have written it up, a person has the ability to say, Rebani Shalem, I get it. This is not how I would have scripted it. But I'm not the author. You're the author. Lashem Ha'aretz Malaya. The world belongs to you. You wrote this script. It's your world. You're the king of the world. And you're my king. And I submit myself to you. And even though this is not how I would have drawn it up, but I accept I'm not the one drawing it. You're the writer. That's complete Kabbalah's Malchus Shamayim on the Yomim Noraim. Friends, do you know how powerful such a thought is? You know how powerful such a tefillah is? Where a person says, Riban Shalom, I submit my life to you. I know you're the author. Although this is not how maybe I would have scripted it. That's true Kabbalah's Malchus Shamayim. Do you know what a source of bracha that Kabbalah's Machos Shamayim is? Do you know how you're bringing HaKadosh Baruch Hu into the world? And when you bring Hashem into the world and accept Him as your King, you know what kind of powerful zechus that will be for the entire world, for all of Klal Yisrael, and for ourselves personally? So when life is not going exactly the way we would have expected, that's an opportunity to be makabel al malchus shamayim and submit to him. And I want to share with you another personal question that I grapple with. And people over the years have asked me this question. And I think this is a very important approach. So if on the one hand, if I'm going through a challenge in life and I'm supposed to accept the malchus of shamayim, that this is the will of Hashem, and Hashem's the author, and I'm just, I just work here. So should I just accept it? And at what point do I say, you know, maybe my tefillah, maybe my prayer is counter, not only counterproductive, but runs in the face of what Hashem wants in this world. And I think it's always important to bear in mind that Hashem created us in a way where we could live in this challenging dichotomy and yet accept both of these principles simultaneously. Let me explain. You know, there was a great tzaddik, one of the Shvatim. His name was Naftali. And Rachel named Naftali. She says, Rachel, Rachel. Rachel and Leah had this competition uh, of sorts where 
Leah kept uh, popping out one child after another. Ruvain, Shimma, and Levi, and Rachel couldn't have a kid. What did Rachel say? Did Rachel say, okay, God, this is your will. You're the writer. I'm j- I just work here. I accept the Malchus of Shamayim. Did Rachel say, okay, Hashem, please give me a child, but I understand if it's not what's best for me, then uh, I defer to you. Listen to Rashi. Rashi says, Naftali, where does this word come? Lashon Ikeshufasaltoil, a language of twisting, contorting, Nisakashti, Vihiftsarti, Pitsirois, Vinaftulim Harbeilamokoim, Leo Shavel Achoisi. Rachel said, I didn't just accept it. I persisted, I contorted, I twisted, I pressured, I turned. Please, I really need a child. Please give me a child. I don't, my sister has six, I don't have one. And she twisted herself into a pretzel and pressured and didn't let up and davened and davened and davened and davened until Rivan Shum relented. Wait a second. Why wasn't Rachel Mechabel the Malchus Shemayim? Why didn't Rachel say, God, you're the king. I submit myself. You're the author. I just work here. And the answer, friends, is both attitudes are necessary and we are able to have both of these perspectives at the same time. We come into a Rosh Hashanah and we say, we recognize that the situation that I am in you put me here. And you put me here for my benefit. And maybe I wouldn't have written up this way, but you know this is what's good for me. And I accept that. And you're the melech of the world, and you're my melech. And at the same time, we don't take it. We continue to pressure. We continue to contort, and to twist, and to ask, and we never let up, and we never give, give up hope. A Jew never gives up hope. Abraham and Sarah, they're the progenitors of the Jewish people. There was no chance they would produce the Jewish nation. It was not highly improbable for them to have children. It was not statistically unlikely. It was downright impossible. Abraham was a a Swiss. He was impotent. Sarah was an islandess. She wasn't just barren. The Gemara says she didn't have the capability to have a child. And we're all here today. Says Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Haver, this teaches us that the very fabric of the Jewish people is we live, we exist above and beyond Yish. We exist above and beyond hopelessness. There's no such thing as hopelessness in the Jewish people. Yes, we accept the Malchus of Hashem. And a difficult situation actually lends itself. It's more conducive for us to have a meaningful Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And at the same time, we keep banging down the doors because we know that tefillah will be effective ultimately. We know he's listening. It's just going to be a bit more. If I could share with you a uh, skula mentioned by the Kliyakar. You know, the Gemara tells us in Brachais, A person should always be careful in the Mincha prayer. Why? The Gemara says, Elio Anavi was answered in the Tefillah of Mincha. There's a beautiful Kliyakar. The Kliyakar says, you know, 
we see in the Chumash itself the efficacy of Mincha. How do we see that? Avram Avinu Davin Shachras, he davens for the city of Sedaim to be saved. It wasn't really saved. We don't find his tefillah was particularly accepted. Yaakov Avinu, he's at the Har Habayis. He davens to be saved from Asa, from Lavan. He was ultimately. But Vayetze Yitzchak Lasuach Basadeh. Yitzchak went out to pray in the field. Says Akliyaka, what do you think Yitzchak was davening for? Yitzchak's father just sent a shliach for him to find him a wife. Yitzchak was in all likelihood, he was davening for a shidduch. Let's zoom in on Yitzchak Shemayin Esrei. He finishes davening for a shidduch. And he lifts up his eyes. And who's there? Eliezer's coming. And who does Eliezer have? Rivka. Just imagine, he m- finished davening moments earlier. He lifts up his eyes after Elikai Nitzar, and there she is. Says the Kliyakar, from here we see the efficacy of Tfilas Mincha. Because in the Chumash itself, Mincha, we see, was answered immediately. And therefore, of course, we're davening as much as we can but if there is a juncture that is particularly effective, Tfilas Mincha, I saw in the Sefer Shavayva Achlama, but that not only do we see that the Tfilah of Mincha is effective in general, but we see specifically it's effective for Shaduchim. So for those awaiting their Zivag Hagon, an appropriate time to Mechazek in Tfilah is Tfilas Mincha. And Be'ezus Hashem, Laytashuv Tfilasech Reikam, the Tfilah will never go away empty handed. By the way, once we're on the subject of school ice, especially when it comes to davening for Shaduchim, the great Munkubal, Ramanacham Azaria of Fano, the Ramami Pano, a Talmud of a Talmud of the Arizal, he writes in Maimer Chikur Hadin, Chelek Dalet Perk that of all the chapters of Tehillim, the one that's most effective for Shaduchim, Shir Lamalois, Esso Einayel Heharim, Meayin Yavoy Ezri, where will my help come from? My help made, my Ezer Kenegdai, Ezri, Meim Hashem, Oisei Shamayim Varetz, says Ramami Pano. In each Shemana essay, before you take three steps back, say Mizmar Kuf Chaf Aleph. Before you take your three steps back, that Hashem should send you Bas Zugai or Ben Zugai Hahaganeslai. That's in a, a particularly effective interval. But I would like to share with you just one more idea, especially regarding the Tfilais of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur and why we're focused on Hashem revealing His Malchus in the world, and we're, so to speak, abandoning our own needs. What happened? Why don't we have a bracha? Hashem, please give me good health, give me refuah, give me zivugim, my parents should be well, my, my family should be well, I should have happiness, I should have peace of mind. Can't we spare a little time to ask for our own needs? Why are they only later additions in the Shema Nesrei? In the Siddur Hagra, Rabbi Yitzchak Meltzin and the Siach Yitzchak offers 
a stunning idea. We know there's a great principle, and this is what this wonderful organization, Ohel Sara, is predicated on this principle of kol anyone who needs something. And he davens for his friend, or she davens for her friend. If you need that thing that your friend needs, you'll be answered first. This is a great principle we're all familiar with. If I need parnasa, and I daven for my friend to have parnasa, Hashem will answer for me first. Says Rabbi Yitzchak Meltzin, this applies not only between us and our friend, this especially applies to our best friend in this world. Who's our best friend in this world, you may ask? Our best friend in this world, Reyacha Vereya Avicha Al-Tazoiv. Our best friend in this world is the Rebbeinu Shalaylam. And we have needs, sure we have needs. We're looking for a shidduch. We're awaiting children. We're looking for parnasa. We want nachas. The Rebbein Shalom also needs things. The Rebbein Shalom needs his name to be recognized in this world. Because we live in a world where God's name is desecrated and profaned. Hashem would like his honor to be recognized. The Rebbein Shalom wants people to appreciate the truth. There's a creator who governs and guides the world. So we have personal needs, but our friend, the Melech Machei Hamlachim, he also has needs. We say to Ibn Shalom, I abandon my own life on the Yom Naram. I know there are things that I need to daven for. I'm going to put that aside for now. And instead of davening for what I need, I'm going to daven for you because you're my friend. Says Ibn Shalom, I can't believe it. When your fate hangs in the balance, you're davening that my malchus should be recognized in the world. You're davening l'sakein oilam b'malchus shakai. You're davening that the world should appreciate my existence. Then hamespalo ba'ar chaveroi v'hutzarach la'osay davar hu nenetchila. That is our greatest zechus on the yoyim hadin, where the Rebbeinu Shlom says, "You've abandoned your needs. I'm going to fulfill your needs because you're interested in me." I'm interested in you. I want to develop this idea a bit further for those who have gathered to discuss this important topic of being mispalel for a zivag hagon. You know, there's what we call, or proverbially, this phenomenon, some type of challenge in shaduchim, some even refer to it as the shidduch crisis. You know that everything that happens in this world is a parallel of what happens upstairs in Shamayim. Did you know that there actually is a very great Shidduch crisis? Say, what's that? What kind of Shidduch crisis is there? Is there something beyond what we see in our communities? You bet there is. In a nutshell, you know one of the greatest Rishonim who ever lived? Rabbeinu Gershaim. Rabbeinu Gershaim was the Rebbe of the Rebbe of Rashi. He lived from 960 to 1040. He was given a very unusual appellation. He's called Rabbeinu Gershaim Ma'or Hagoyla, the light of the exile. Wow, that's a special title. You know, some Rabbonim, they're called Hakadosh, or Achaim Hakadosh, the Alshech Hakadosh, Rashi Hakadosh. But the light of the exile, 
Why is Rabbeinu Gershain called the light of the exile? <coughs> There's a brilliant explanation offered by Reb Meir Yechil of Oistreufz, known as the Oistreufzer, who reveals a tremendous uh, insight. And it's predicated on the following principle. The Rebbe Hashem's relationship with the Jewish people is a relationship of husband to wife. Hashem is our chasan, and we are the kala. Hashem is our groom, and we are the bride. The whole shir hashirim is an analogy. The expressions of love between a groom and a bride reflect and represent the love HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for Knesset Yisrael. When Klal Yisrael are living in Eretz Yisrael in times of redemption, it's like the marriage is going wonderfully. There's a strong bond. There's a strong connection. You ever notice, you know, the Masechta in Shas that talks about living in Eretz Yisrael is Ksubis. Because when we're in Eretz Yisrael, that's like the marriage bond between the Chassan and Kala, between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Gemara that talks about Churban Beis HaMikdash is in Gitin. Because when the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed and we're in the exile, it's like there's a breakup, so to speak, between the Chassan and the Kala. The relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael is analogous to the relationship between husband and wife. Moreover, when a husband and wife marry, that reflects and creates a deeper connection between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Jewish people. Which means that now that we're in the Galas, there's a Shidduch crisis. And you know what that Shidduch crisis is? Who is going to be Meshadech HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Chassan, with his prospective Kala Klal Yisrael. You know, Rabbeinu Gershon made two wondrous Takanas. Actually, Rabbeinu Gershon made more than 90 Takanas. But his most well-known Takanas is he decreed that a husband cannot divorce his wife against her will. Why did he do that? Because Rabbeinu Gershon understood that the relationship between husband and wife reflects the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael. Therefore, if a husband cannot divorce his wife against her will, God cannot get rid of us. We're His. We're stuck with Him. He's stuck with us. He can never send us away. So you say, okay, maybe Hashem has another option. Maybe Hashem will take another nation on top of us. Hashem will say, okay, I'm stuck with the Jews. Maybe I'll take the Chinese also, or the North Koreans also. So Rabbeinu Gershon made another takana. His takana was, you can only marry one wife. So now, not only is God stuck with us, He's stuck only with us. I bring this out because we're trying to convey a certain message. The message is, the relationship between husband and wife reflects and represents the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael. And if we see in the society we're living in and the communities that we're in today that there's a Shidduch crisis, that there's so many young men and women awaiting to find their Zivag Hagon, you could be sure that that's because there's some degree 
of crisis in the ultimate shidduch between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael. Who's going to really tie the bond between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisrael? When a Rosh Hashanah comes, when a Yom Kippur comes, during the Yom Naram, yes, there are things we want to daven for. Yes, we all want to daven for our personal shidduch, and we should. And we should do it incessantly and not give up and keep banging down the door because he's listening and the tefillahs are being effective and it's going to happen real soon. But a very powerful way to make the tefillahs more effective is to daven for someone else's shidduch. And when I say someone else's shidduch, I don't just mean the girl who is in your class or the girl who is in the same seminary as you. I mean to daven for the ultimate shidduch, the ultimate bond, the ultimate reunion, the ultimate zivog between the chasan and the kala, the chasan being HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the kala being the Jewish people. We say, We know you're awaiting that marriage, that union. I may need a shidduch. I'm davening for you. I'm davening that you should be able to consummate your bond with the Jewish people, to take us back to Eretz Yisrael. And that will be like a Nesuin Chadoshim, like a new marriage. And we'll be all in Yushalayim, and that will be like the Chuppah, and we'll reunite with our Chasan. So Rebbein Shem, yes, I've been waiting for my Zivog. And maybe I've been waiting a very long time. But not as long as you. You've been waiting 2,000 years. So this Yom Naram, I'm going to daven for you. For you to consummate your zivog. And just imagine how powerful that tefillah will be. Just imagine how much bracha such a tefillah will bring to all those awaiting their zivugim hagunim. The Rebbe could make this happen in a cinch. I'll end off. Recently I had the privilege to speak Shabbos in, in a country in Europe. I'm not going to say where because I don't want to give away too many details. But I met one of the Rabbanim in a particular city. A lovely man. One of the senior Rabbanim. And he came over to me. He said, Shalom Aleichem. And he said, you know, I, I just want to tell you a story. I said, sure. And he, can, he tells me, you know, Daniel, I want you to know that my shidduch, it was the biggest mistake in the history of the world. Biggest mistake. <laughs> He's a man, uh, a senior ra- rabbi, a, re- uh, a renowned Talmud Chacham. But he said it was the most beautiful mistake in the history of the world. I said, tell me. He said, look, my background is Ashkenaz. Um, Dutch for hundreds of years. And we're very proper. And we're very particular. And we're very... And the Shadchan told me, you're going to meet a prospective young lady. You're going to go to the hotel. She's going to be in the lounge. You make a left, she'll be there. I went to the hotel at the designated time. I see the young lady. We sit down. At first sight, I knew she was the one. She looked at me. She knew I was the one. 
I came home, I told my mother, my mother said, what's the girl's name? Her name? Her name is uh, Rachel. Rachel! That's not the girl! You're supposed to go out with Leah. Turns out, he met the wrong girl. Not only did he meet the wrong girl, he's uh, someone of Ashkenaz descent, Dutch. She was a Hasidish girl from a hung- of Hungarian descent. This is not a Shidduch. The parents said, yeah, you, this can't be. It's a mistake. You're supposed to go to... The other boy also went to the wrong girl. He said, no, ma. She's the one. She tells her parents, he, you only won one out of time. They knew right away. They went out a few more times. The most beautiful mistake in the history of the world. We submit ourselves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu writes the script. And there's a Hashem. We're mavarech everyone, meyumka deliba, that everyone should have a happy ending. Everyone should be zoicha to find zivugim hagunim, bekarov mamish. Everyone should be zoicha to build bayis neman Yisrael. Banim uvnei banim oiskem atarva mitzvahs. And we're mispalel to see bekarov mamish, the ultimate zivug of the reunion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Klal Yisrael, bebiasko el tzedek, You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.